Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, today we're talking about aging and brain function. This is hugely important. I just got back from a conference in um, Kansas City, which was, um, I mean, really, really nice state. Just a little bit of hot and humidity there, but I got to tell you, it was a fun conference. Uh, we talked about how the brain and body work, and I actually talked about the neurology behind this. And so we were talking about age and brain function. We have to look at what really is. is are we supposed to lose our minds as we age, or is this a unique, um, a unique occurrence that's happening right now at our time? Well, I got to tell you, it's a totally unique occurrence. To say that dementia, Alzheimer's, and memory issues are common, uh, it is. But to say it's the end result, it, it absolutely isn't. So we have to look at what's causing this uh, dementia explosion. Now, um, we're going to run through the causes of it. Uh, but first, I want to walk you through what, um, what causes the brain to age and what causes the brain to not age and to regenerate. Well, first, this is the subject that we're going to have in our Port of Ireland seminar. And this is going to be November 14th through 17th. And we literally are going to be teaching from 8 in the morning till 12. And it's going to be for three days in Puerto Vallarta, but it's going to be really exciting. It's all on brain function and the neuroplasticity. So you can go to the Dr. John Bergman, but if you literally go to Google, type in Bergman, Puerto Vallarta, um, and hit it, and ours is the first one that comes up. Bergman, Puerto Vallarta, and um, in, enter. Or you could also go to bsgmeetingsllc.com. So there's a number of ways to, to get there and sign up. But the schedule, and this is kind of cool, we're first going to talk about autonomic nervous system, kind of like what we're going to talk about today, but we're going to go into depth. We're going to also go into gut, brain, and neuroplasticity and how the brain grows and adapts. We're also going to look at the hidden toxins, hidden traumas, and how to correct them. And then we're going to go over the awakening, your abilities to neuroplasticity, or how your brain adapts and renews itself. So we're going to cover that over three days, and it's going to be really exciting. The classes are going to be from 8 in the morning to 12. Uh, we're going to have hangout sessions, about 15 minutes uh, per person. Uh, to go over any kind of detail. So you can bring your blood test, your x-rays, anything, and we'll come up with uh, solutions and causes of, of health problems. But now let's look at this, because when you're talking dementia, one in one, that's right, latest statistic, it means that 100% of our population is going to get dementia. Now here's the tough part, some of us aren't participating. That means some of us know how to extend your mental cap capabilities and also what neuroplasticity is, how the brain can regenerate. And that's what we're going to go over. I mean, if you look at the health of our whole population, one in two have cancer, one in five have an autoimmune condition. And in fact, this generation now is the very first generation uh, that will not outlive their parents. Now, if you go way back to 1960, and I'm bringing 1960 up because this is uh, when I was a kid, 
4% of the population, of our kid population, suffered a chronic health condition, 4%. In 2007, it's 54%. So more than half of the kids, and that was 12 years ago. Guess what? It's worse now. Uh, One in five teens has a severe mental disorder. 37% of our teens drop out of school. So 20% of our teens has a mental disorder. One in six has a developmental disability. One in eight children has special education needs. So this is just, I mean, everybody knows that one in 36 children with autism. Currently, that's the statistic. But if you look at the actual facts, it's around one in 25. And soon that will be one um, one in two by 2030. So, and, and again, here in the U.S., we have one of the highest infant mortality rates in the world. And in fact, more babies um, die here than in any industrialized country. And I'm talking a huge number. You're looking at, um, and this is, again, 2014 statistics, um, 5.8 per thousand kids die before their first birthday. That's 23 to 24,000 kids a year. So what are we doing that's different than, than other countries? And, and I'm just talking the death rates. Well, for one, the medical system is completely dysfunctional. Um, we're looking at the, the medical system handling symptoms with uh, chemicals. And not only is that not effective, but it damages the overall physiology. When you're looking at a massive decline in mental and physical status of the adults and the kids, we're doing something wrong. The system is not working correctly. I like the quote by Max Planck. Okay, now this brilliant mathematician, um, this guy is a genius. Quote, a new scientific truth does not triumph by convincing its opponents Uh, and making them see the light, but rather because its opponents eventually die and a new generation grows up that is familiar with it, end of quote. Now, that would make sense, except we're looking at our population is not going to make it. Now, this will be financial problems, this will be emotional problems, physical problems, everything. So we have to correct this. So let's go back. Let's look at... um, and, and this is a really cool article. It was in 2009 by Benjamin uh, Radford. Quote, human lifespans are nearly constant for 2,000 years. And <laughs> when, when you look at this, it, because back uh, what the medical system is trying to promote, if you actually look at the statistics, our population is sicker than it's ever been. Uh, except if you were responsible for the health of the population, like our medical institutions, you have to cover your ass by doing something. So what you do is you make up stuff. You say, well, we're living longer. That's why people, people are living longer, so they're developing these diseases that they never had before. So the success of medicine is that we're making you live longer, however you're getting chronic diseases. Uh, that's not true. Um, when you look at actual data, I mean, think of this. If you have two twin boys born in 1900, one dies at birth, the other lives to 90, what's their average age? 45. So this is interesting because the increase in life expectancy from, let's just say, 1907 to 2007, 
was due to a decrease in infant mortality rates. Uh, yeah, that's right. Back then, kids were dying. And then the infants got good water, good food, everything else. And the infant mortality rate declined rapidly. Uh, and in fact, in, in 1907, it was about 10% of the kids would die before. Now it's about 5% of the kids. Okay, so we're looking at, at or half a percent of the kids is now um, declining. However, that was in 2005. It's now increasing. It's now nearly 1% is not making it for their first year. So when we look at this, Americans were not dying, okay, at age of 46 in 1907. Uh, and so when we look at it, I want you to get clear with lifespan and life expectancy. And those are two totally different things. Life expectancy, like how long a human being should live, uh, really hasn't changed, okay, in 2,000 years. Let's go way back to Plato, Aristotle. So we're talking thousands of years ago. Uh, Aristotle commented in the history of animals then, uh, the reproductive function of men continually continues active till they are 60 years old, and if they pass beyond this period, till they are 70. And some men can have children at 70 years old and 80 years old. Now, this is back a couple thousand years ago. Uh, there's very, very accurate records of birth and death a couple thousand years ago. And in fact, and I love this, this guy, uh, Hieronymus. Hieronymus was lived to 104, and quote, he went to war, stood much toil and many wounds, lived 104 years. And uh, uh, the writer expressed amazement at this man because up to his last day, he was still vigorous in his marital relations, in all his faculties, lacking none of the symptoms um, of ill health. And so you look at this, and he's not the, the only one. You're looking at Democritus, who lived to 109. Alexis, um, the comet poet, lived to over 100. Isocrates lived to 98. So, you know, you're talking, the lifespan really hasn't changed much. We look at modern societies. Okay, Janine Calmet, the longest living um, female that we have on record today. She made it to 122 years old. So, and and what was she doing? Did she have great medical care? Was she doing a lot of pharmaceutical products? No. She just lived normal. She loved going hunting and fishing. She liked um, smoking. She had one smoke a day, a cigarette for more than 100 years. She had a glass of port every day. She liked cakes and chocolate. So she did not uh, live a crazy, healthy lifestyle. Then we look, and this is hugely important, um, when we're looking at total mortality and longevity and what's the lifespan in Australia, Canada, India, Spain, uh, USA, um, there's a problem because uh, we're looking at nervous system disorders, disease, and Alzheimer's in six out of the countries are, are rising exponentially. Now, when you look at Science Direct, and this was published in Public Health, uh, they're saying that there's an epigenetic con contribution to these changes. Uh, and it's, 
It's not living longer. These neurologic conditions are pressurizing families, social health care, services, everything. And in fact, if you look at this, um, just go to Google Scholar, type in medication-induced dementia, and you're going to see thousands of hits. And this means dementia and oral health, dementia, medication-induced hallucinations. And when you look at the medication usage of our population, it's incredibly damaging. So we have the about 4 to 5% of the world's population, and we use about 90% of the world's medication. And we are the sickest of all industrialized nations. And why do we do this? Well, because we haven't come to the realization that the medical system is dysfunctional. So let's look at this. Let's look at... Um, uh, the mitochondria. Now, these are the powerhouses of your cells. And I'm going to show you how to increase telomere length and what telomeres are so we can stop this progressive degeneration of our population through ignorance. And that's all it is. Now, this was first published in 2008, and it's on the um, online library called Wiley. And it's, it, the title is Medication-Induced Mitochondrial Damage and Disease. And this is interesting because they're saying damage to the mitochondria, and these are the powerhouses of the cell, play a pathogenesis of a wide range of seemingly unrelated disorders. Listen to this. Schizophrenia, bipolar disease, Alzheimer's, epilepsy, migraine, strokes, Parkinson's, neuropathic pain, ataxia, um, transit ischemic attacks, heart functions, coronary artery disease, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, diabetes, hepatitis C, um, gallstones, all of these things. And when I'm putting up all of these different um, symptoms and saying that it's all induced by medications, think of this. This is what this article goes on to say. Medications have now emerged as a major cause of mitochondrial damage, which may explain many of the adverse effects. All classes of psychotropic drugs have been documented to damage the mitochondria, just as cholesterol-lowering drugs, pain reliever drugs such as acetaminophen, which is Tylenol, and many others. Think of that. The non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, the, the um, beta blockers, the statin cholesterol-lowering drugs, all of these damage your brain. Okay, so when we look at the British Medical Journal, they're saying that, and this is the title of this article, New Drugs, Where Do We Go Wrong and What Can We Do Better? Okay, so we just have to look at the immune system. How does the body actually work? Well, let's look at how the body reproduces itself. Uh, now, there's a thing called telomeres. Now, everyone's seen the, the double helix DNA. And this is like a ladder that's twisted. And this is how your body regenerates itself. And at the end of this DNA, um, there's a thing called a telomere. And based on the length of this telomere is literally how many copies you can get out of the DNA. So if you have, and during normal aging, there is a loss of telomere length. Okay, so as we age... Um, the telomeres get shorter and shorter, so it's more difficult to reproduce that length of DNA. However, there's several different things that you can do to lengthen telomeres. That's right. Then this is really exciting. 
because the when we look at telomeres, telomeres are an essential part of human cells that affect how our cells age. If you can uh, lengthen the telomeres, you're home free. You can actually extend your life. Uh, but telomere length represents our biologic age as opposed to our chronologic age. And this you're going to see a lot. I mean, I get people in their 20s and 30s who look 50, 60 years old. They have no energy, no vitality. They're, they're, they're like fading off in their 20s and 30s. I get people in their 60s, 70s, and 80s that are going to dance class, you know, traveling the world. They're vital, um, sharp-witted, everything. And so they have really a full, exciting life, and they're healthy. And so what's the difference? Look at telomere length as um, represents your biologic age versus the chronologic age. It's like I've been on the planet almost 60 years. But my my brain and my vitality is different. I feel, you know, 25, 30, because I can pretty much work 12, 15 hours a day, no problem. Now, when we look at the the journals, and I want you to just own that we have a measurable device that will tell you how long you can live. And we can look at the blue zones or areas around the world where people are consistently living beyond 100, and what do they do to lengthen the ability of their body to reproduce cells longer, because that's really what health is. And what are we doing that's causing the, the telomeres to be short? Why are kids the first generation to not outlive their parents, and our parents are getting sicker and dumber to, in the first place? So um, we know that short telomeres are, are occlude aging. I'm going to bring up a really cool um, study, and this was... Uh, published in the Journal of Molecular and Genetic Medicine. And it had a, a typical chiropractic case, 35-year-old um, female who was in a traffic accident. But what they did, they measured her telomere length. And after 36 visits, she you know, related that her symptoms had improved, but a blood test showed a significant improvement in their telomere length. And the heart rate variability showed that instead of being in a stressed state, she was in normal limits. So what I want you to look at, since we're talking about brain function, and this is the subject matter that we're going to be covering in depth in Puerto Vallarta at that seminar, um, look at the, the, this quote from American Psychiatric Association. Quote, people continue to see mental and physical has separate functions when in fact mental functions such as memory are physical as well. That that gets kind of exciting, doesn't it? And when you look at how the nervous system works, again, this communicates to every um, aspect of the body. And we know that, that nervous system-related or autonomic dysfunction, because remember, we've got this automatic nervous system. One part keeps you alive under stress. That's called the sympathetics. The other part regenerates tissue. That's the parasympathetic. So when you're in a stress state, the sympathetic um, fires off. Now, on that, you're not going to have long-term memory because you're in a stress state. You're just trying to survive. You're not going to be spending an extra metabolic energy to reproduce cells. Why? Because you're in a stress state. You're barely making it. And when we talk about, in chiropractic terms, what a subluxation is, it's a bone in the spine that's misaligned 
from some type of trauma that's negatively affecting how your body responds to the environment. And they talk about how people with a subluxation, well, here's the official definition. It's an ongoing maladaptive neuroplastic change that interferes with the central nervous system's ability to self-regulate, self-organize, adapt, repair, and heal. That is like holy moly. When we look at this, the role of spinal manipulation, it turns out that if you get adjusted, you can lengthen your telomeres, but also it demonstrates um, neuropathophysiologic changes following the spinal manipulation. It means that your body can start to regenerate. When we look at sensory motor disturbances in the neck affecting postural stability. Now, this is when you see people that are starting to become brain damaged. Okay, and I mean little kids that are toe walkers. You look at, at a, adults who are walking with their legs wide to one side. They're walking in an, in an incorrect fashion. You know, you'll see them not with an appropriate gait. This is um, an alteration of proprioception, or it is literally brain damage. The posture, postural disturbances, and how they walk and move are hugely important, and that's a clue to how the body functions. Why? Because when we look at the cerebellum, the cerebellum is this little area in the brain on the back of the brain, and all the movement, everything that, that you do with your body synapses in the cerebellum, and this controls the frontal lobe, and it literally stimulates the whole brain. And what's wild about that is that means movement ch changes input into the cerebellum, and the cerebellum controls the rest of the brain, the frontal lobe. So this is going to be memory, anxiety, stress, impulse control, everything. So does that mean if we have altered motion, we have altered stimulation up to the brain? It sure does. That's why when we look at the journal of brain, Okay, uh, listen to this part. The title of the article is The Cerebellar Cognitive Effective Syndrome. And they're saying that any dysfunction of the cerebellar or cerebellar stimulation alters how your brain funks, functions. So you're talking um, inappropriate behavior, language, um, problems with grammar, personality changes, working memory, uh, all of this, prefrontal, posterior, parietal, superior, temporal. So every aspect of the brain is negatively affected based on that stimulation or movement to that area. We know that Parkinson's disease okay, has to do with the cerebellar stimulation. And it's interesting, too, because if when, when you look at someone with Parkinson's, they're moving their hands all the time. So we got to find out what that problem is. So here's how you get a healthy brain. Number one, you got to clear your uh, spine of subluxations, and this lengthens telomere length, but it also tells the brain, gets that clear pathway connection so the brain can function correctly. Exercise is the key. That means movement is the key. You move correctly, you work your body efficiently, and this stimulates that cerebellum, altering the brain function when we look at how the different types of muscles that you have, okay, in the body, the posture muscles, the run, muscles that run down either side of the spine, if those are stiff and tight, it means that you have an alteration in structure and function, and this alters brain function. 
Now, proper nutrition. Why do we say proper nutrition? Because if man makes it, you're not eating it. This means no GMOs. If you've been exposed to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like Advil, Motrin, Aleve, okay, if you've been exposed to Tylenol, okay, if you've been exposed to any, and I'm talking any kind of prescription medication, your gut is going to be damaged. Because when we look at these simplest drugs, uh, you're talking sleep medications damage the brain function. Non-steroidals damage the gut function, and there's a gut-brain connection. So any medication is going to cause your damage to your intestinal tract. This means gluten-free, dairy-free, until we get the gut healed. It means your brain's in a stressed state. So all of that stuff, if man makes it, you don't eat it. But then we could look at studies. Uh, There's, if if you look at nuclear transcription factor kappa B, now that's a lot. But what they're looking at is in a lot of inflammatory diseases, there's this inflammation transcription factor. And they're saying, and listen to the list of diseases that this um, problem is associated with. Cancer, hardening of the arteries, uh, heart attacks, diabetes, allergies, asthma, Crohn's, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's, psoriasis, septic shock, AIDS. And it turns out the solution for that, for those inflammatory diseases, is fruits and vegetables. It can't be that simple. It can't be. Fermented foods, this builds the gut flora. Omega-3s, this helps with memory, depression, schizophrenia, Alzheimer's. Uh, increasing your, your healthy fish intake or fatty fish is going to be the best things that you can get. Um, so you've got to detox and eliminate. This means no non-organic grains. That's out of there. No commercial deli, uh, dairy. No genetically modified foods. And then you have to get the healthy amounts of nutrients. Then your brain regenerates at night and during the day. So this means sufficient rest. This means you cannot go to bed um, uh, after watching TV. Your brain will not get that rest. Fitful sleep, getting up at night. Check out our videos on sleep restriction therapy. That's going to be the key. Within five days, you can be sleeping through the night. But again, sleep problems implicated in Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, dementia. And that's out of the Journal of the American Medical Association. And in fact, drugs that negatively affect sleep, you're looking at all types of drugs. Sedatives, you know, blue light, all of that stuff we have to change. Uh, Then we look at prayer and meditation. So this is hugely important. And again, when you pray and meditate, you're it's stimulating that parasympathetic or that rest, digest, and repair. And when you know the power of your mind, that your mind can control the stress response, your mind can control um, how, your, how your body literally adapts to the environment. In fact, traditional chiropractic would say there's three signals to dysfunction and disease. Trauma, toxicity, and thought. Think of this. If your mind misinterprets an environmental signal and generates an inappropriate response, a thought could be enough to undermine an entire system. Um, If I were to say misperceptions can be lethal, think of this. If you are allergic to peanuts, you eat a peanut, your immune system is recognizing that peanut protein has a pathogen 
So it stimulates a massive immune system response that can literally cause your death through an anaphylactic shock. This is why now a good hunk of our population is so allergic to their environment, they have to carry an, an EpiPen around to, so that if they're exposed to some type of um, suspected pathogen, they can get rid of it and get healthy. So this is hugely important that you start looking at this. But let's look at the, the blue zones. Nine different lessons from the blue zones, and this is what it is. And this is if you want to maintain your health for the rest of um, your life, so you're not living the last few years in an assisted living. Number one, moderate and regular physical activity. This means walking every day. Number two, have a life purpose. Okay, so look beyond. What, what, why are you here? What are you doing? Stress reduction means you have to be able to handle stress effectively. Um, moderate calorie intake. This means the less calories you take in, the healthier calories, your body works correctly. A plant-based diet. When you look at the blue zone, those that ate meat, ate meat only once a week to once a month. Moderate alcohol intake. Isn't that interesting that those that drank actually drank wine? And the, the Sardinia, the longest-lived males, you're talking over a liter of wine a week, nearly two liters a week. You, um, and again, some of the lessons from Blue Zones, regular physical activity, life purpose, stress reduction, moderate calorie intake, plant-based diet, moderate alcohol intake, Engagement in spirituality or religion. So they knew that they had a reason here. Engagement in family life and engagement in social life. That's it. No one's talking about getting a good doctor with lots of medication. This is up to you. We're going to be covering this at our seminar in Puerto Vallarta, and we're going to cover it tonight. Okay, and realize that your brain is connected to your body, and we need to have both of them healthy. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.